Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I have Perry Power. Welcome, Perry. Hey, man. What's going on? Pleasure to have you on, man. I mean, I've seen we, we've been talking a fair bit before this. And I had to actually, for anyone that's listening, I actually had to stop us from talking so that we could hit record and actually start <laughs> this podcast. But please, for everyone that doesn't know you yet, can you give them a bit of an intro into who you are and what you do? Sure. So... My name is Perry Power. I'm uh, from the UK. I am an actor. I am a writer. I run a charity, soon to be two charities. And I have, I'm a coach and I do a lot of work within the area of raising awareness and breaking the taboo on intrafamilial abuse. So the business that I have, the charities that I have, at least the first movie that I'm doing is all under the umbrella of the specific outcome, which is helping as many people as possible break their silence on child sexual abuse within a family. Yeah. And if you don't mind, just give us a bit of an insight into how that, why you're yeah. doing that, how that's come about, if you don't mind. Yeah. Just... No, no, not, not at all. So I, when I was 10 years old, I was sexually abused by my step-granddad. Uh, that happened for about a year and a half and it stopped because my stepmom caught it happening and my step-granddad he would he would sort of do it with sometimes with people in the room sometimes there weren't people in the room on this occasion my mom was there my stepmom on the couch watching tv and I was on my step-granddad's lap watching TV. And he and I had, there was a blanket over me. And he basically had his hand down my pants and he was playing with me. And uh, my stepmom basically was watching TV out the corner of her eye. She saw a cigarette drop from my step-granddad's hand. And then she's like, she didn't take no notice. But then she started to take notice when she realized that he wasn't picking up the cigarette and it was burning a hole in the carpet. So she's thinking, why on earth is he not picking it up? Surely he's known that his cigarette's not in his hand anymore. And she looks up and then she sees sort of hand movements uh, between my legs. And then she realizes, whoa, spidey sense, heads in the back of the neck standing up. She stands up, leaves the room, calls me out as if Perry come into the kitchen and he talked to you about something. And then she just takes me home. And then she tells my dad, my dad questions me. I tell him about... Um, you know, there was a big part of me that was like, why are you upset? Why are you angry? Because this has happened for a year and a half. My step-granddad wasn't doing anything wrong. I had no idea what sexual abuse was because it wasn't a thing on a TV or in the newspapers. And so my that in that moment, my dad became the villain of the story because then he had a good, well, he had a go at me for, for, for some, which we, you'll find out at some point soon on this episode, why. But he had a go at me. Then he tells me to not tell anyone. Don't go to school, tell teachers, don't tell your friends. Just keep this here between these four walls because we don't want a black cloud over the family name. So I said, okay, fine. Then a couple of years goes by, maybe, maybe two years. And I'm at school in class, English class. Teacher gives us an assignment to write a story and hand it in at the end of the class. I think it was a substitute teacher because that's the type of things they would, they would do just to make the hour go by quicker, right? So 
And I, I don't remember any of this. Still don't remember doing it. I wrote a short story about a boy being abused by a family member, for, you know, and then I hand in the, the, the story. And then, um, then my parents get called and then I was given a school counselor, which, and I had a session with her started off nearly every week. Then it was nearly every two weeks. And it was like once a month and then it was once every six months. I only remember one or two sessions out of the years I had sessions with her. I don't remember any of them really. So that's, that's what happened to me. I lived in silence about that. Uh, it ended up being for, I think about 12 years or just over 12 years. Now the reason why I broke my silence is because, uh, so what ended up happening was in 2017, the 1st of June, my dad, well, my brother sends me two pictures, an ambulance van and a picture of a paramedic standing next to my dad's bed. And he was on the bed. He had a tube up his nose. So I called him up and I say, what's going on? Well, what's these pictures for? What's up with dad? At that time in January, so a few months before that, he became a diabetic. Before that, high blood pressure. Three years prior to that, he started alcohol. So he was an alcoholic, quite a raging alcoholic, but very, very functional alcoholic. And that's why I believe it's why I'm a good actor because I get that on that skill set from him. Uh, he so he's an alcoholic, high blood pressure, then was a diabetic. Then the first of June, they basically had to come around the house because his blood levels were uneven, and he was having a bit of an attack or something, and then they had to take him down to the uh, hospital, put him in the back of the ambulance van. He doesn't make it to the hospital. He has a heart attack in the back of the van and passes away. He's 48 years old. So his death triggers something within me internally. At that time, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was something because I was reflecting and I was questioning why was he an alcoholic? And I started to question a couple of things because a week or two before his death, I text him saying, why are you drinking so much? And he said to fight away the demons. So I was like, what, what on earth is he talking about? What demons, right? Um, but then Lewis Howes uh, releases a book called The Mask of Masculinity. And he was on the Ellen DeGeneres show talking about his book, talking about his story, about how he was abused as a kid and he grew up wearing masks as a man. And that for me was a big trigger point because I was like, wow, okay, that's what I've been doing. I've been wearing these masks. So certain things that he was saying, I was like, okay, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing. Okay, I need to take this mask off. So I tell my girlfriend, that became the first time I broke my silence. I tell my girlfriend that day, my ex-girlfriend. Then I... Um, couple of months later i was at a business conference and then i tell five or six entrepreneurs that was in the room with me and then driving home i do a video share it online and then that became the start of where i got to where i am today and that was in 2018 so it's four years ago now thank you very much for sharing man i appreciate you being vulnerable there i mean i know now it's really become your story i mean by being able to share that you've and, yeah. and make it the crux of this like movement really i i suppose you call it a movement like when you're bringing it across so many different businesses and different things like yeah i mean after the video that you post online did you have many people reaching out and sharing similar stories or sort of just support kind of thing mm, i had so i had uh, a bunch of people reaching out within the field of thank you for sharing this this must have taken a lot type of thing and then i had one message 
that was from a guy in America who said to me, Perry, and he was like a steel worker, you know, blue collar man. And he said to me, Perry, thank you for sharing this. I left my trade and I'm chasing entrepreneurship and I had to move away from family to do so because my family quite negative. And I'm on my own here and my family want me back home because a family member's sick. But I don't want to go back home because I know that if I go back home to be with my sick family member, I'm going to end up staying there. And if I stay there, then I won't be on a road to entrepreneurship. So I'm currently fighting against my entire family here. And I'm in a very, very dark place. And you sharing your story has helped me, basically. He never said anything about the abuse. And he hasn't until this day. But I do think there is abuse within his story that's, uh, um, that is a part of that. and That became his main reason. Sorry, there's a dog in the background. Um, Sometimes if, you, if you're a dog owner, sometimes you just can't control when they want to voice their opinion. Um, no, you can't. <laughs> um, it's all good. Uh, yeah, so, so he sent me that message. And that, you know, it's funny because I, I say to people now that when you want to, and I guess it's a tip for anybody who's living in silence and if they're listening to this, um, that if you are living in silence, and listen, you can say this about anything, Okay. I'm going to talk specifically about if you're abused by a family member, but this rule will apply for anything that you live in the silence on. If you've been abused by a family member and you are living in silence on that, then don't break your silence to somebody else first. Break your silence to yourself first in as many different ways as possible. And then you tell somebody else. Okay. That's what I say now to do to everybody, because if you're living in silence on something, and you think, well, the only way you can let go of that is to tell your girlfriend or to tell your boyfriend or to tell your mom or your dad. That can bring a lot of pressure because what happens then is you are relying on a specific response from that person, right? To make you feel loved, to make you feel welcome, to make you feel believed. But if they don't give you the response that you're looking for, boom, you're back in your hole, okay? You ain't telling anybody again. If, you know, and if you're lucky, you may say it again, but not anytime soon. Right. And then what I'll probably do is really amplify those negative self-talk that you had before. Because oh now my mom doesn't believe me, you know. Uh so but if you break the silence to yourself first in as many different ways as possible, you then don't need the opinion of others because you believe you, you love you, you accept you, you know that it wasn't your fault. And then when it comes to the point of you sharing it, it then becomes for others. So for me, when I shared my story, uh, it was for me, all right. It was for me to get it out. Um, I was still a bit vulnerable because I hadn't fully broken the silence to myself yet in as many different ways as possible. But I had to learn that over time that that was a thing to do uh, and that becomes a process. Uh, but, and I was just lucky that I didn't have people saying you were lying, you deserved it or anything like that because I probably could have really um, hurt in many different ways. Luckily, I didn't. But then when he sent me that message, that's when it really clicked into my mind. Wow, okay, my story can be for others. Because look at this response. I wasn't expecting this response, right? And then that there became like a, I should do this for others. But then what really, like, purpose clicked in, game over, this is what you're doing for the rest of your life, and you're going to build something that after you pass, that continues and that grows. Is then I go back home, right? I go back home to um, my, well, I went to my mom's, so not my, I was living on my own, but I went to my mom's house, my stepmom's house. 
and uh, my grandma was there. And then they said to me, oh, we watched a video. I was like, yeah. And that was the first time I spoke to a family member, you know, because I was like, what's, what's, their, what's their thoughts going to be? You know, what's, what's their opinion going to be on this? Just be prepared for them to say something because, my, you know, my, my family are quite realist people. You know, they, they support me. You're going to be an actor, Perry. You know, you're going to be a successful businessman. And, you know, they've always said that you're going to be it, but safety now, you know, but yeah. have a plan B, you know, type of thing. So with this video, I'm like, are they going to say, great, but did you need to share it type of thing, right? As I just be prepared for it, Perry. And then my mum my was like, we didn't know it happened for that long. I never find out that when I had that conversation with my dad when I was 11 years old, which I don't remember, uh, he apparently I said or at least suggested that that incident that my stepmom caught was the only time my granddad had, any, had done anything to me, right? I never told them that it happened for a year and a half prior. So in that video, that was the first time that they found out that I actually went through it for longer than they thought. Then I go around to my auntie's house, uh, which is my dad's sister. My auntie's there as well as my cousin, Kelly, and uh, my little cousin, which is her son, Jet. And we're there. And then my auntie says to me, we did not... By the way, I so Kelly, which is like my sister, my cousin, she's like uh, seven or eight years older than me. I knew that she was abused too by my step granddad. We'd always talked about it growing up, right? Because it was she was abused first, and I was abused. Okay, but she only thought that I was abused at one time too. She watched a video. She's like, "I'm, I'm in a way, I'm glad that I didn't know it happened for longer than that because I wouldn't, I'd be in prison now because I would have killed him." That's what she'd always say, right? She probably would have, right? Um, because she thought, okay, well, this just happened to me. So I will take the brunt of this. She didn't know that her most loved person in the world, which at that time was me, was also going through it, right? Uh, and she's like, I didn't know that. Then my auntie says, she's sitting there. She's like, you know, you weren't the only person who went through the abuse. And I says, yeah, Kelly as well. She goes, it wasn't just you and Kelly. She goes, it was me. I was like, oh. And then she was like, it was your dad. And then when she said it was your dad, I sort of leant back in the couch and I was like, it was just like, I was just sort of looking into space and just allowing all of the dots. It's like, it's like you, if you got a box with a puzzle in it and you just empty it onto a table, it's like you're watching all of the puzzle pieces forming together on their own to paint this picture, right? That's exactly what was happening to me. Makes sense why my dad told me to keep it within the four walls of the house when I was 11 years old, right? because he was keeping it within the four walls of the house. It made sense why he became an alcoholic as a coping mechanism. It made sense why he had demons, you know? It made sense about a lot of things. And then, uh, so then it made me realize, okay, my dad lived and died in silence. You know, I only found out after his death. I was like, how many people are out there right now living in silence and are about to die in silence if they don't change their ways? How many people are out there continuing this generational cycle of abuse? And here's the thing, abuse happens, different forms of abuse happen everywhere. But generational cycle, uh, interfamilial abuse, it's a thing that lives in silence and darkness the most, right? Because nobody wants to come out there and says, yes, I was raped by my dad. Nobody wants to say, yes, I was sexually abused by my mother or a boy coming out saying I was sexually abused by my sister for six years. Because then you have this element of, men out there or boys being like oh well at least you're getting some right which happens a lot right mm. you know they, they throw these jokes in there because they're trying to be laddish when it's not a, it's not a joke it's not a game right and 
Yeah, and you have all of these things wrapped up into it. And re- and, and that that's just like for like your your typical white family, right? Okay. Now, if we go into the cultures of like Indian families, okay, where sexual abuse is rife, right? But the secrecy and the respect on Indian families and their surnames and what they do in business, right? Which is huge. Like the movie that I'm writing, I'm co-writing it with an Indian actress. So I'm able to see inside that world and she was abused by her mom, right? Growing up. But this culture of Indian families and be private anyway about everything, just be private. But but as a, as an Indian girl and as an Indian boy coming out and saying that you were, you were raped or abused by your mom or your dad or by your sister or by your brother, you don't do that, right? You're, you're shunned from the family unless you have a supportive family. Luckily, luckily, um, her dad has been very supportive and they've gone through family therapy and they're, you know, they're trying to repair or heal as much as they possibly can. But then you have, yeah, things like Indian families and um, Asian families where it's just, it's rife and the secrecy is even more. Uh, and these are all the things that I've learned over the years. And it's just all the more reason to just create this. You said the word earlier, movement. And that's a movement. That's a word that I use a lot because it is a movement. It's getting people together to be like, listen, you can speak out. It's going to be scary as hell, but there's people to the left and to the right of you that have also done the same or will at least do it at the same time as you. It's massively important as well. Like I do see the, like, you know, exactly like your father's instance where it is like you go into that mode of just destroy you know, like mm. if you do have those demons, if you're not able to confront them yourself or feel like you can really talk about that with anyone else. Yeah. I mean, I had uh, a long time ago, I had a guy come to me and we were both like, we've both been drinking for like the whole day and just told me that he had been like um, sexually abused by a teacher when he was, when he was growing up. Like, you know, uh, I think he might've been like 11 or 12 kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, immediately he was like, he'd kind of told someone else before he said it and was like, you know, trying to like justify it to me how horrible it was that it wasn't something like cool. Like it wasn't like, you know, gotcha. Yeah. Like, you know, Oh yeah. Oh, good on you. Like that's everywhere. Every kid's dream when they're growing up to like, you, you know, you're 12, 13 and you get like, yeah, you know, the teacher from school kind of thing, you get to sleep with the teacher. Like he, he was, you know, and very distraught kind of thing. And, and I was like, I had no idea how to be able to deal with that situation in the situation that he had, like, regardless of whether or not we had been, sober let alone drinking mm-hmm. i had no idea how to deal with that situation and still mm-hmm. still um wouldn't know how to deal with that situation exactly now so i think it's interesting you brought up that point around not relying on other people to to know how to respond because it's like yeah often a lot of people i think do it you know out of that maybe haven't said it to themselves before really confronted it uh, properly themselves that it does like it gets 
blurted out or, or brought mm-hmm. out in a like a like a cry for help in yeah. a way I'm I'm I would see it like that as well. And yeah. you know, the person on the other end of that, typically it is like like it, right, okay. Um and, and I can't imagine what that would also be like for someone that is deeply connected to both sides as well. Mm. Like in an um interfamilial situation. Like that is I'm I'm sure there's there's a lot more stories around people that could not come out to the closest people in their life because it does because the abuser and the victim are both intimately involved with everyone that 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 they're close to. Like I, I can't imagine how difficult that would be in terms of how someone can begin to unpack that themselves or really start to do that before they maybe go and either try to confront that or like start to move distance themselves from that that's something they need to do how can they what do you suggest to people in those sort of situations yeah i i suggest that In, so I, I wrote a book called Breaking the Silence. And in that book, there's three, there's, I, I split the book into three parts. And part one is my story of abuse and breaking my silence. Part two, there's 14 stories in there, half are named, half are unnamed of other people breaking their silence. Whether it's for the first time or they're just some of them who are named, not all of them, but some of them who are named are speaking out and they have done many a times already. And then at the end of part two, there's a page there called like story 15. And it's for the reader to get a pen and write their story into the book so that they become the 15th survivor of abuse. And then part three of the book is the steps that they can take to sort of continue that process and to start to heal and start to break their silence even more. And we have things like letting go, forgiveness. And I talk a bit about masculinity and I talk a bit about shift and identity and about the person who you are today and shedding that old version of yourself, shedding that skin to become, or, you know, the higher self, right. To become the person, the version of you, who you want to be. So, I mean, definitely to begin with, I'll talk about this in two parts quickly, definitely to begin with, it's just breaking the silence to yourself. And that could be literally this does not have to be complicated because words, the words that I'm saying now is, a, is, is me finding a method to communicate my emotions, right? The music, you know, you've got these emotions. Sometimes you can communicate them. Sometimes you're just like, I just don't know how to talk about how I'm feeling right now because you can't put it into words, right? Which is proof that it's just an extension of how we're feeling. So the abuse that we've gone through has created a big ball of emotions, that has been locked away in this cage. You imagine like a bird cage, right? And the ball of emotions is slamming around within this cage, is trying to get out. Hence why people have anger bursts and shit like that when they're keeping it within them, okay? Because it manages to break out temporarily. Now, if, if we look at breaking the silence to ourselves, what we're doing here is, doesn't have to be through words. It's just through an action where you're allowing in as, uh, in as most 
well, it doesn't have to actually be in the most calm way as possible, but just you're just allowing those emotions to come out of the cage and flow through whatever you're doing at that time. So for example, it could be painting. I use this example a lot. If you go to like an art gallery or you look on, on Google and you have a look at a, uh, at a painting, at a canvas, and it just looks like the artist has splattered paint all over it, right? Those type of paintings. Somebody could be like, just give me a pot of paint and I can do that, right? What's so special about this? But how do you not know that the painting you're looking at right now, the artist lived in silence for 32 years and the way that they broke their silence in themselves first is through the painting that you're looking at, right? That's the power, okay, of how you can break your silence to yourself, okay? It's allowing those emotions to flow through. So you have things like painting, drawing, doing things like clay molding and pottery, going to a gym and hitting a punching bag, Right. And then with every fist hitting that bag is a is a certain element of emotion being released. So you have many different choreographing a dance piece, right? Another thing. Uh the the uh her named um uh Ina. So I was thinking of her character name then. Ina, the one who I'm co-writing the film with. Uh, her character uh, is a Maya in the show. She's going to be breaking her silence for a dance piece, for a traditional Indian dance piece. It's how she's going to be breaking the silence to herself, right, on stage. Then you have things like putting it into words. So telling yourself in the front of a mirror, looking at yourself, I was abused by my uncle growing up. It wasn't my fault. And just saying things to yourself, writing out a poem, writing a song. So now you're starting to transition into things that require words, right? So you have things like that. And if you could do that as many times as possible, if you can break your silence 27 different times, right? Then on the 28th time you tell somebody, you're going to be in a power position. See what I mean? As opposed to telling somebody, try number one. And then the other thing is, for me, how is that? Now, so that's just breaking the silence, but it doesn't stop there because you have to heal, okay? Now, for me, what enabled me to move forward with it all was leading with curiosity. So leading with curiosity enabled me to find forgiveness. I knew I forget I forgive I forgave myself, but then I was like, okay, well, I still can't move forward. If I see a picture of my step-granddad, it stirs negative emotions within me. Okay. And I'm not happy about that. So I need to forgive him. I know that I'm not forgiving him for him. I'm forgiving him for me. But how can I forgive him? I can't just say, right, forgiven, done. Lead with curiosity. And so I uh I was like, okay, well, if he's abused me, if he's abused my dad and two other members of my family, what's his story? So I found out a small bit of information about his story. I knew that he was abused too in Ireland where he grew up, but I didn't know too much. After I released my book and I got into the media, I received a message from a woman. And she's like, hey, Perry, I don't know if you remember me, but I am your step-granddad's name, um, daughter. I was like, oh, wow. Now, I haven't talked to, none of us have talked to his side of the family since the abuse stopped. So since, you know, so we're talking, I don't know, like 16 years, right? We haven't talked to them, haven't seen them, nothing. As far as we know, his side of the family don't seem as an abuser. He's the best man on the planet and we're all liars, Right. That's, that was my fear of going out into the media is their family seeing my story because I didn't know what the response would be. I see her message. And then she then proceeds to say, just to let you know, Perry, that uh, you have the support of, of 
the entire family because he abused us all too. Right? And that was a daughter messaging me, telling me that her own dad. And I was like, wow. And then met up with two of his daughters in a, in a park in London. We cried, we hugged. And this is what leading with curiosity allowed me to do because if I got him, otherwise, if I was leading with hate, I would have seen his family members as villains too. They're abusers too. I don't care. They're related to him. Screw them. But that's not the case. They could be victims. You don't know. They didn't abuse you, did they? A human being did. They're just unfortunate enough to be related to that person, right? If you want to look at it that way. So uh, then I find out that, yes, my step-granddad and his brother went to a, a Catholic um, St. Joseph's Industrial School is what it was called in Cork and Ireland. And they went to that school and the priests molested, raped all of the kids there. Um, they had systems, you know, if you acted out of line, you'd have to go to the top of a ladder, but naked whilst I whip you in front of everyone. They had so many different things that was absolutely vile. And it, basically, if you want, if anybody's listening and you want more of a background, if this interests you, just watch Spotlight, the movie Spotlight, that one um, best picture, uh, many famous people in there, superb film. And Spotlight is basically about Boston news reporters going into the Catholic church and uncovering these stories of priests molesting kids and cover-ups. And that's basically, that's the world that my step-granddad grew up in. And uh, he never healed his wounds and he continued that generational cycle of abuse. Um, so in regards to somebody living in silence, you got breaking the silence. And then if you want my opinion, it's leading with curiosity and trying to find out the story behind the abuser. Because if you allow yourself to find out the story, then you could try to find some understanding on why they acted that way. Remove emotions. That's why they acted that way. That's very unfortunate for them. I hope that they can get some help, whether that's in prison or whether that's in the afterlife. But at least I can go to sleep knowing that there was a reason behind it. And I forgive. And I'm going to move forward and let go. I like that. I think that, I think that has a lot of power in it as well. I think it kind of like breaks down the power dynamic. That, that exists there of like the abuser and the victim kind of thing mm. and, and mm-hmm. allows someone to move forward without being the, the victim anymore. Yeah. Um, bringing, it, bringing it back around to some of the things that are happening now and within the business that you have and working with other entrepreneurs, um, tell us a little bit about how you're helping other people through that are going, that have gone through this sort of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk about it. I don't want to try and start summarizing and then tell you to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. So I, I, so I, with my, with my marketing, with my content and how I show up in the world, my goal is to help so victims of abuse essentially become a survivor, right? And how you can go from victim to survivor is taking yourself out of the victimhood and to break your silence, to heal your wounds, right? And put that stuff apart. I say past you, it's part of your story. But um, now we have the business side of things and the clients that I work with, and that's helping them go from survivor to warrior. And what the survivor to warrior process is, is they've got their story, they're no longer, you know, are filled with hate and 
victimhood and they're kind of in this place where like, right, yes, I went through abuse, um, but I've got my story and I have found forgiveness. I am powerful and I know that there's a lot of people out there who have or are going through abuse that are hurt and lost. And I want to use my story to impact others. That is what I help them do because that's what I've done. And here's the thing, how you have some people who teach other people what they have done. I teach people what I've done and I teach people what I do, you know? So I continue to, to help people to break their silence and I continue to grow my movement, okay? You've got the movie, you've got the charity, you've got all this media, you've got all this sort of stuff that I do, the TEDx talk, and I help people do the same thing. So what my program is, is helping uh, survivors of abuse turn their story into a coaching business. So I help them get clarity in their story. I help them figure out what the actual coaching process is. A lot of them are like, well, I'm not a coach. I never coached before. How do I do it? Well, you took yourself from being a victim to being a survivor. Okay. The process that you took yourself through, we take that loose process and we fit it out with the version who you are today. And we create this coaching process. So we've got your story. We've got the offer. We know who you're helping. We've got a coaching process. Now we're going to test it. And we're actually going to start helping people and impacting people, right? Amazing, beautiful victims of abuse who deserve a lot more than what has been given to them. And you enable that and you help that, right? You help facilitate that, that growth. And then after that program, and then have a, a sort of like a mastermind-ish type of program, which is then, okay, you've got your coaching business. Now it's time to build a brand. So then we focus on a TEDx talk. We focus on media. We focus on a book. Uh, we focus on charity formation or charity partnership. And we just really focus on, okay, let's get your story out there to the masses. Because if you can get your story out there to the masses, right, there will be people who funnel through. You're going to be building your brand, become an influencer, if you want to use that word. And then we start, and you will naturally have people funneling through down into the business. But then what you're able to do is you're helping people for a service, you're getting paid for it, right? I truly believe is like, as a business person, if you have a story to change the world with, you should be having money in your account because that helps you give back, right? Helps you give a lifestyle that you need. But then you should also be helping a lot of people for free. I personally help more people for free than I do paid. And that is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I go to schools, I speak, I go to youth centers, I speak to kids, right? I, I spend hours in my DMs every day helping victims of abuse to break their silence. I don't ask for a paycheck because I don't need to because I've already got a system in place to sort the paychecks out. You see what I mean? So, and that is a very beautiful thing that you can manage in a very good way when you're like, right, I want to change the world with my story, you know, because I was once there. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it interesting just from like uh, how I talk to my clients about where we want to be coming from with all of their content is like, you know, I, I don't want it to feel like a chore. Like as a coach, as a consultant, someone that shares their expertise, whatever form that comes in, it should feel like it's just pouring out of you. And like like you said, like, you know, I've, I'm sales calls and other things like I I get on lots of calls with people every single week and there's a lot of those calls that I'm like and and the same thing that I teach my staff now they're starting to take on more calls as well always leading with like just helping people like you know whether or not where they become a client or not naturally that way we make money 
but there's a lot of people that will not become clients, but we're not going to be that business that says, you know, sorry, you're going to have to pay us to get some help kind of thing. I just think it's a great, I, I completely agree with the idea, the ideology of that, of, I think when you are just going out and serving and being comfortable with allowing yourself to like fill up your cup, you can actually just give away way, way more. Like it's, you're not sort of, I think the opposite of trying to do it for free first and all the time and never charging, you just can't give away as much. Yep. It just restricts your complete reach about how much you feel like you can give away. Cause it's like that. Well, I fuck, I can't afford to put food on my table. Like, how am I going to do that? So I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. With the umbrella of everything that you have and the movements you're helping other people start with the movement that you have under your own brand, what, where, where do you want this to be in 15, 20 years? What's the impact that you want to have on your clients over that time? Um, I... And I don't know why this image has come to my head, but you see in some movies where like your, your traditional American movie where there's a villain who has nuclear missiles and, and you've got the heroes trying to save the day and they see what the potential impact is going to be if they don't save the day and they have a look at the globe and they will see missiles dropping everywhere, boom, and then you just see this ripple effect, boom, you see the ripple effect. So if we imagine the boom and the ripple effect, but instead of being nuclear missiles, that is one person building a movement. And that ripple effect is all the people whose lives are being changed from that person leading with their story. Boom, another one. Boom. And we just, if you look at the globe and you're just seeing booms everywhere and you're seeing ripples everywhere, that is what I want to be able to see. Uh, if that was even, well, I wouldn't, well, I guess never say never. Um, if, I can actually see that happening, right? That is that is the effect uh, in regards to helping people with their movements. The grandiose vision is, uh, I want it to get to a stage where, well, I mean, in an ideal world, there is abuse just doesn't happen, okay? In an ideal world, abuse doesn't happen. Now, I could I ever be a thing? who knows? And I don't even know how you would even sort of test that, but maybe not. That probably would not, not in my lifetime, abuse just stop within the next, you know, 70 years. But uh, at least I don't know if I can control that, but what I could try to control is everybody who has been abused are able to speak out. And I believe that with the more people who've been abused and they're speaking out, that does create the ripple effects to stop what that essentially does is if we look at not all, and I'll never say the word all, but most, if we're looking at intrafamilial abuse, most people within a family who abuse have been abused themselves or they've been in that environment. Okay. Within a family setting, my step granddad abused us. He was abused himself. Right. So within a family setting, so now I'm not looking people like, but Perry, that's not true. I'm not saying in like, um, people who go out and pick up kids from school parks, right? 
and they abduct him and they rape him, right? That type of setting, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking very niche and specific here within a family, mom, dad, kids, dad abusing the kids. I'm talking about within that sort of setting, right? Most of the time, that family member has been abused himself. So it's a generational thing. So if no help has been given, those kids, right, could, could. My dad didn't grow up to abuse me. He didn't sexually abuse anyone. He abused himself, though, through alcohol. And he died before he was 50 years old. So there was abuse. It's not sexual, okay? But it could have gone a different road. He could have abused me, 100%, right? But if, if I can help as many people as possible to break their silence, right, before they get to a stage of abusing their own kids or even having kids themselves, then I believe that the next generations will grow up without being abused, right? And then that would then get passed down of no abuse to their kids. And then again, those kids will grow up. There's no abuse. doesn't get passed down. And then over time, I do think that would be the way where we do stop interfamilial abuse by having the abusers sort of die out, if I can, I don't know how else to put it, right? And then their kids grow up and then boom. And then there's just this abuse has really started to shrink down. But um, on a global scale, that's what I'm hoping to achieve by my work. But um, the method of doing it is just, it's just having as big of a platform as possible because otherwise my message can't get out if my platform isn't big. Um, and then just creating as many movies as possible. I want to create, uh, I have a production company and I want to make movies kind of like, like, so you've got The Rock, right? The Rock has his own production, Seven Bucks Productions, right? And he's making movies, family entertainment movies, right? I want to have my own production company and I want to finance my own movies. But every single movie that I do is a true story, right? And it's a story about somebody who, like, if you look at true stories these days, um, not all of them, but most of them are about somebody famous, right? Somebody who's achieved something and rightly so they should have their story told. But there's a lot of people who aren't famous, right? But Jesus, have they got a, have they got a story that people need to see, right? And um, I watched a movie the other day called Coda that won Oscars, won quite a few Oscars. And that's a brilliant movie about a deaf family. Um, and the daughter of the deaf family is the only one that's not deaf, but she wants to chase a singing career. But she is also the interpreter for her family on fishing boats, right? So she's currently in this dynamic where she's like, I need to save the family business, but I'm also getting a scholarship to go to college and be a singer. What do I do? The family can't hear her sing, so they don't understand her passion for singing. They're like, what are you talking about? You don't need to sing. Can you even sing? Can you help us with this family business, please? We need you on the boat to listen into the radio signals so we, we know that we're in good waters, right? And she's in this dynamic. Now, that could have easily not been turned into a movie if the right person didn't come along but like, I want to produce your story, right? And I know that there's so many stories like hers out there that are worthy to be seen and win awards. And that's what I want to do with this company. And that I know can help me with creating those ripple effects around the world, creating movies, because I believe it's why I've been fascinated by acting in the world of cinema since I was a kid, that a cinema, a movie can bring all walks of life into a theater, into a cinema. You look around you, hunt the two, 300 seats are filled up. You don't know who they are, but they've all got different stories. But this 90 minute story has brought you all together. Fascinating, right? But now if we put it into a digital aspect on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, now you've got millions of people watching it. And I believe that's the best way you can get a message out uh, through 
a story and that and that's what i want to be doing that's powerful man i'm i'm very confident you'll be able to do that and i hope that um I hope that this will be able to contribute um, in a small way to building that audience for you as well. But if anyone from that's listening to this would like to get in contact with you or, or follow you or just, you know, check, check out what you are doing, how can they do that? Uh, they can go onto my Facebook, Perry Power, my Instagram, I am Perry Power. I have a website, it's crappy. So don't expect anything good. Perrypower.org, which needs to be changed. Um, that's you know, it's one of those things. Where it's like ah, my public's like, Perry, get a website up. I'm like, but I don't just get a website. Up. Like, okay, fine. I'll just throw something together so it's done. Imperfect action, right? Yeah. Um, uh, or Instagram, or go on to uh, my TikTok if you want to see content. I haven't posted in a while, but there's content on there, and that is. Uh, I am Perry Power as well. And if you are, uh, for example, in the, if, if you if you have a child or you know somebody that has been abused and they need help, ther- therapy help, then our charity, WeRescueKids.org can help provide that. Um, we have financing available too, so you don't have to pay for it. We can give free mental health care support. And then if you are a male survivor, of intrafamilial abuse then my charity which i'm launching in three weeks time called the andy project which is named after my dad to help men not go down the same road of living and dying in silence if you know if you are a man who's living in silence or if you know a man who's living in silence then please feel free to reach out to me personally there's no social media up yet for the andy project but you can reach out to me and i can provide the help that's needed Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on, man. I'll, I'll leave all of the links and everything in the show notes. And if anyone that is listening and has been going through any of these, has gone through any of these issues, I highly advise you go and chat to Perry after this. Um, I think the power of community and support from people that really understand what it's like could thank change you. your life. So thank you yeah. very much for coming on, man. No, thank you for giving me the space and the time to do so. I appreciate it.